Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. It's been said with Christians, particularly the fully devoted followers of God, not Christian in name only, but it's been said that you're either um, coming, you're either coming out of a trial, you're in the midst of a trial, or you're about to go into a trial. And that's usually pretty true. Now, again, when you think about Christianity, it's really a tough sell when you say, hey, by the way, you want to be a Christian? Because now it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. You're changing teams and and you don't have a lot of people going, yes, yes, yes. You see, when you and I got saved, we weighed the options out. It wasn't something that we went, oh, well, I think I'll do it because I think I'll, I'll really get in good with the community or maybe I can make some good marketing connections. We really counted the cost and realized that, that our love for Jesus has to be greater than anything else. That really should be the heart of the matter, our love for Jesus. The problem is in our lives, we have those that are, or the things in our lives that are fighting for that position, the position of being number one, the position, and it's usually us. And so being a Christian, you go, oh, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Because I think if you, one of the hardest things really about being a Christian is the storms that we go through. Now, when I say storms, I could mean trials. That could mean um, a tribulation. That could mean just a storm. It could mean enemies. It could mean work. It could mean the vaccine. It could mean anything you want it to mean. But I know that for Christians, that, that, that the storms are the toughest things that we go through. One of the greatest storms that, that I have endured in my life was the fact that my wife had gotten sick five or six years ago. And it wasn't, hey, you have a cold. It was, hey, guess what? You have cancer. And that was a storm that was kind of like, hey, I, wouldn't, I, don't, want, I don't want anyone to go through that storm. But it's a storm. And as believers, it is the hardest things we go through. What I mean by that is that everyone in the world does go through storms. That's true, is it not? Everyone, in the, but, but you and I, as Christians, as fully devoted followers of God, guys, we seem to endure more storms than normal, okay? That's really the truth. Some of the attacks that will come is to get you off track. Some of the attacks that will come in your walk will get you to, to, to stumble, to fall. You know in your heart of hearts, you're going, I want to serve Jesus. I want to follow him. I'm learning more. I'm growing This is where I'm going to spend eternity with the God I love. And the enemy comes in and says, no, 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 I want to trip you up. I want to see you fall. I want to see you backslide even just a little bit. Now, when I think of storms, I obviously I think of Peter, right? Because Peter wrote basically in present day sufferings. Now, you can turn there or just watch on the screen. Um, It's 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to pick it up in verse 12, but listen to what Peter says. Can you imagine? Let's say if we were going to, we were going to talk to Pete. Hey, Pete, come on in. Let's sit down. Let's talk. Um, here's what he would tell us. He would say, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. So the first thing I notice is Peter saying, Hey, beloved, hey, family, because the word beloved is family. It's, he's looking at us, go, brother, hey, listen, don't, be, don't, don't sit here and, and think it's strange because you're in a storm. 
Oh, I can't believe this. You know what? That guy who told me, he sold me a bill of goods. He said if I was going to be a Christian, that everything would be great. Everything. Everything would be wonderful. That I'd, I'd get all my, you know, and, and, and we talk about all the stuff that you get back and all. I mean, he, that's, that's a great sell. Hey, you want to be a Christian? You're going to get a brand new life. You're going to get, everything's going to be good. You, you know, your wife's going to come back. Your dog's, that runaway's going to come back. Your truck's going to be fixed. All of that good country song is that you're all going to get back. But that's not Christianity. That's not the reality. He says, beloved, don't think. Do not think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though something strange has happened to you. Notice what he says, verse 13. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, that you may also be glad with exceedingly joy. Now, again, think about this. I don't know of anyone in this room that would rejoice at what? At the extents of, your, of, of the sufferings. Oh boy, I'm suffering for Jesus. We don't. We don't. But Peter says, hey, he says, rejoice. Rejoice that you're partaking. Now, you and I, we rejoice at the fact that, that, that the Holy Spirit indwells us. We rejoice at the fact that Jesus died for us. We rejoice in the fact that we're going to share in his glory. And we love the, we love the promises that say, oh my goodness, we're going to be joint heirs with Christ. We're going to, we're going to co-reign with God. This is going to be amazing. But Pete says, oh, by the way, there's going to be suffering in your life. You're going to suffer like Jesus. You should rejoice. Oh, I don't, let's erase that from the Bible. Let's, I don't, I don't know. He says, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory in God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he's glorified. Can you imagine? But let none of you suffer as a murderer, as a thief, as an evildoer, as a busybody on the other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But let him glorify God in this matter. For the, for the time has come for judgment to begin. Where, guys? In the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end to those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as a faithful creator. Your attention, please. Peter's telling us that we're going to suffer for the Lord, that it's part of the Christian walk. And we are to rejoice in the fact when we are persecuted, when there is a storm, when enemies, when our bosses, whatever it might be, are coming down on us and we don't understand why, we need to rejoice. Now, I don't think we need to rejoice in the circumstances, but we need to rejoice in God in that, in that he really is the one who's going to take care of us. I mean, there's a big difference. So even if we know and we understand, okay, there's going to be trials, the storms and the trials in our lives are still not pleasant. They're really not pleasant. It is really one of the hardest things that you and I will go through as believers. And that's why I believe, guys, that we have the Psalms. 
You see, David writes in Psalm 57, when you think about what's going on, he's right in the middle of the storm of his life. Okay? We get this straight out of 1 Samuel chapter 22. Let me give you some background because if you and I are going to connect and relate to David, we need to know why he's writing the way he's writing. Okay? I mean, I think when it comes to the Psalms, you and I can pick and choose and go, yeah, that's me. Okay, so listen, here's what I do. Every, every weekday morning when I go through my quiet time and the Lord speaks to me, there might be a verse that I'll put on Facebook and then I'll send out to a few people and, and it's just whatever it might be. Here's what I found. There might be rejoicing in the Lord is amen or salvation is near. And people on Facebook will give me a like and a thumbs up and so forth. But you realize the ones that really minister to the people are the ones where David goes, I am in distress. God, how long are you not going to listen? And a lot of people feel like that. A lot of believers feel, God, I don't hear you. I don't hear you. I don't, I feel like I'm, you, you need to understand, the last time I was in church was, was the Sunday that we had our Thanksgiving, that Sunday night. It was glorious and amazing. Now, we didn't have church all week, and then I wasn't able here on Sunday. Do you realize just that week, I felt like I was falling away from God? Just that week, I felt like I was farther. As a matter of fact, in my office today, I'm crying out to God, going, God, I feel like I'm farther from you than I was before. I don't understand. Man, every Wednesday night we come and we're like, okay, okay, we're going to... But this is Dave. David is feeling the weight of this. And, and we need to feel the weight of why David is writing this. So we get the full context. See, David right now, when you think about this, I want you to feel the weight of it, guys. He, he's on the run from Saul. You guys know the story. King Saul's mad at him, right? Top 40 radio station is playing. David killed, or Saul killed his thousands. David is 10,000. Saul's mad. He's like, oh, I hate that David. I can't believe that. He wants to kill Dave. Dave's going, what did I do? What did I do? So what does he do? He ends up running into enemy territory, Philistine country. Okay, he ends up going over there. He ends up in a place called Gath. Achish is the king. Now listen to this. This is 1 Samuel 21, verse 10 and 11. Then David arose and fled that day from before Saul went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not, uh, did they not sing to him one another in dances saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David is ten thousands? So Saul goes, so, so David goes to Philistine territory to the enemy and they, and they recognize him. Wait a minute. This is King David. This is the one who said he's, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What do you think David's going to do? David's going, my goodness, I don't, I don't know. So David gets totally freaked out that he hears this. Wait a minute. I understand the top 40 in Israel. I understand the top 40 in Jerusalem. That's not my fault. I know that they're singing and dancing, but over here in Philistine, they're playing that too. This isn't good. This isn't good. So what does David do? Notice, David freaks out so much, guys, that he changes his behavior to act like a madman. 
Okay? Uh, it, it goes on in, in verse 13, and he says, So he changed his behavior before them. What did he do? He pretended madness in their hands, scratched on the doors of the gate, and let saliva fell down off his beard. So he's going, ah, 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 you know, and he's just, he's just acting like a madman. Wait, wait, wait. This is the David that killed everyone. This is the David that killed their tens of thousands. Are you kidding me? So that's Dave, right? And then Achish looks at him in verse 14, and he said to his servants, look at, this man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? Have I, have, have I need of a madman that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? So Achish goes, are you serious? We don't need any more crazies over here. This is, this is not the same David. Maybe he was, maybe he was, he did this. I don't know, but this dude, this dude is crazy. So they let David go. He escapes Philistines. Now remember, the Philistines and the Jewish people, they hated each other. They're, they're enemies. And so the problem is, is now you have Achish who goes, okay, that's David. I should probably kill him. He runs back, but he can't really run home. Why? Because Saul wants to kill him. Okay? So feel the weight of that. So where does he end up? He ends up at the Holiday Inn there in Jerusalem. No, he doesn't. He ends up in a cave. It's actually 1 Samuel 22, the cave of Adullam. Okay, and, and, and here's what you need to understand. He's on the run from his enemies. He's on the run from the wicked Philistines. King Saul wants to, to murder him. He's a fugitive. And basically, this is a major storm in David's life. Now, before we go on, let's take a moment to feel the weight of David's plight. You say, what do you mean? I started to think about this, and I started to think, what storms are we under right now like what storms are we what are, what are uh, um, we don't have anybody hopefully in this room is out to kill us okay but we all have we all have storms we all have a little bit of storms a little bit of trials things that we're dealing with things that that we wish we could fix we all have storms that uh, storms of choice if you will we make a bad choice and now we've got to we we got to deal with this but I started to think and 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 but then I also I also started to think okay so if 2020 was rough okay and 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 sometimes I don't know about you guys for us it, it's almost do you, do you remember when we had to go on lockdown do you remember when we had to when 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 the world was just like stopped do you remember when when you could walk the streets or people were outside and nobody was going to work and it was just a weird feeling that was that was like super weird. Everything was closed. Big, big stuff was open, but, but it was closed. And then 2021 came, and, and we're still dealing with all of this, guys. But I wonder, and I wonder, and, and really here's where, where, where I want to meet you with, is, is I think about what, what are we as believers going to face in the coming months? And are we ready? Are we prepared? Do we have a good foundation? That's really the essence of Wednesday night. Are we prepared? Do we have a heart devoted to God? A heart that's really going to say yes to him. And, and, and I get it. I'm preaching to the choir because you're here on Wednesday nights. You want to have a heart devoted to God. You, you want to seek him. You want to hear his voice. That's really why you're here but I wonder what we're set as believers. 
Now, right now, right now, it's still moderately okay. We can still preach. We can still teach. But we know that each day brings a different storm for believers. What's going to happen when the government shuts down the churches? What's going to happen? What's going to happen when, when we're not allowed to meet anymore? You go, Ben, that'll never happen. But when you think about what has happened, it's definitely a possibility. It's a probability that it might happen. So we got to have the right foundation. Some of you even here tonight, some of you watching online might feel just like David feels. He's just in the midst of the storm. And Peter says that we can count on the fact that we'll endure trials. But what I want to get out of tonight is how can we have safety in the storm? Safety in the storm. Okay? And that's where we're going to pick up tonight's study. But let me just paint a little illustration. My daughter, who lives out in Oklahoma City, she actually lives out in Moore, Oklahoma, which is really Tornado Alley. I don't know if you know that. Um, she has what is called a Frady Hole. It's not a basement. It's just big enough to go down there if there's a tornado. And do you remember when the tornadoes went right through there? And I remember talking to her, and she said, she said it would hit one house and jump over the other. And it, I mean, it totally destroyed that. My daughter was out there, but she had a Frady Hole. And her, basically, her and her dogs can get down there, and that's it. Okay, there's safety from the storm. She has that. There's a lot of people who don't have that. But think about that illustration as we go through. There's a storm coming. Okay, the weathermen are saying, hey, watch out. This is going to be a big one. You better get to safety. Then that, and then that made me jump over to when we had a few tornadoes here a while back. Do you guys remember that? And we're, we're, us Texans, we're just different. Okay? They're saying, there is, a, there is a tornado. Go inside. And we're out there with our phone. Check it out. Oh, that's cool. Watch. Look, it's over there. Wow, is it going to come this way? And we're like, I'm like filming it and everything. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. You, you have no idea. Why? Because we're not used to the storms. When, my, when they tell my daughter, get in, she goes in because she's used to the storms. We are just, we're just mesmerized by how, what was going to happen. I'm thinking, and I know my wife is thinking, what are we going to do if this... We're, we're trying to find out what's going to be the safest place in our house. Maybe you felt that way too. But we're not Tornado Alley here. You see the difference? Now, if you're taking note, jot this down because Psalm 57 is broken down two ways. You know, what's that? In verses 1 through 5, we're going to see that David cries out to the Lord for help. And then in verses 6 through 11, David thanking God because God saves him. Very, very important. Okay? Now, it's really important that you read all of it because we can just jump in in verse 1, but notice what it says. It says, To the chief musician set to do not destroy a mictum of David when he fled from Saul into the cave. Now, most commentators believe this was the cave of Adullam. Now, if you go to Israel, there's also the caves of Engedi. I preached at Engedi. We went up there. There's several caves. It was so cool because you go, man, maybe that was the cave, and and maybe that, and they're all along the wall, and and and. But we don't know. 
So this says it's a miknim. It's it's basically this is from Psalm fifty six. This is where David left Achish, and now he's going to jump into Psalm fifty seven. Notice what it says with me: "Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me, for my soul trusts in you. In the shadow of your wings I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. I will cry out to God the Most High, the God who performs all things for me." He shall send from heaven and save me. He reproaches the one who would swallow me up, Selah. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. This is where he starts. Now, I want you to feel the weight of this. Put yourself in David's sandals. How would you start off your psalm? You're in the midst of a storm. You're maybe in the midst of a trial. You're about to go in a trial. I don't think I would start off with have mercy on me. Be merciful to me. I gotta be honest with you. When I look at my prayer life, sometimes it's more of a, of a, oh God help! Right, right away. We're just crying out to God for help and, which is fine. Don't get me wrong. But I love, and, and I, and I search David's heart. He's, he's running. I mean, he just acted like a madman. He had saliva all over his beard. Achish is like, get this guy out of here. He's gonna go home, but he can't go home because Saul is on the hunt for him and he's in a cave. He's in a cave. And what does he write? The very first thing is he writes, guys, what does he do? I love, love, love the fact that David is as human as the rest of us. You go, what do you mean? Think about it. David is in a cave, okay? Now, most likely, the text doesn't say, so I'm going to stand over here, but he's probably depressed. Where did my life go? Are you serious? I don't know. There's some anxiety Okay, I don't, I've never had a hit on me or, or been a fugitive, but David does. And I don't know if he's depressed. I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know if he's scared, probably doubtful. And now think about this. He's in a cave, so he's got limited vision. Limited vision. You guys know what I'm talking about, okay? If you were to drive to Rio Doso, any of you ever drive to Rio Doso? If you go to Rio Doso, the trees and the mountains are so high, you almost feel claustrophobic, okay? It's beautiful. There's mountains, but they're so high, and the mountains are so high. But if you go through the town, and you travel around, and you come up out of Alto, and you hit that, all of a sudden, you just see wilderness, and it's like, oh, I can breathe. Think about David. David says in, in this claustrophobic, oh, he's in a cave. What do you think this caves look like? Is it damp? Is it cold? What, I mean, but here he is. He, here was the king and he's, and he's just like, I don't know. What is, what is this going? And, and I wonder if his perspective on life right now is not good. Like, like if we were to bring in, if, if we were to bring in Linda and we say, okay, we're going to interview Dave. Dave, sit down here. We're going to interview you. How you doing? Good to see you. Welcome. Hey, we got some questions for you. Do you remember when you were at the cave of Adullam? Yeah, I remember. What was going through your mind, really? I mean, I know you penned Psalm 57. I know that was in your heart. But what was really, what do you think he would have said? I think if he was honest, he would say, I wanted to go home. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of running. Do you understand where I was? I found myself in enemy territory. I found myself tripping. I found myself having to act like a madman to, 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 to act crazy so I could get out of there with my life. 
I didn't sign up for this, man. I didn't sign up for this. I'm... Yet, I believe there's some great application. You go, how so? Notice the first thing that David does. And I think it's so you and I do. Guys, when we're going in the midst of a storm, he cries out for mercy. He cries out for mercy. Do you see that? It wasn't just like, hey, God, have mercy. Notice that David starts off this psalm. Now, here's, here's the, the, the Hebrew verb here is shanan, and it's referring to extending grace or compassion. So God is going, okay, God, have compassion, have mercy on me, have mercy. And I love the fact, guys, look at it. He says, be merciful unto me, be merciful, O God. Be he says it twice. He says it twice. And then he says, for my soul, what is it? Trusts in you. Now, David is in the midst of a major storm, a trial. He cries out for mercy and confesses that his soul trusts in God. Now, if you have a pencil handy, it's very important because you can circle the word for soul because what he's really talking about is his life. In other words, he goes, uh, Lord, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. I feel like my life is being threatened. That's what he's saying. I trust. This is my soul. I, I feel like I'm, 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 really, I'm really not in a good place. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. We as believers feel like we have to walk the perfect walk. And that we can't cry out to God and, and be honest with God, even though he knows everything. You, you ever gone through that? You ever feel like, I can't tell God the truth because, man, I'll feel like a second-rate Christian. I'm supposed to be stronger. I'm supposed to be, I've been walking with Jesus so long. Ah! But when we do cry out to God, even in doubt or despair, it just relieves us because God's like, okay. You realize that he can handle he can handle our hearts. He can handle the truth. And there are times when we don't understand what God is doing and we cry out to him in under, I don't know what you're doing. Why am I going through this? And then you feel bad. The enemy comes in. Well, if you, if you trusted God just a little bit more, you would. And it's like, that's not what it's about. It's about, listen, I feel like David is being very, very honest. Now, let's chat for just a moment, okay? This is where David, this is where the rubber meets the road. When our lives, when our very existence is threatened, here's the question. Do we cry out for God's mercy? Even in the littlest of trials, a friend doesn't like what you say. Uh, a, a, a social media, social avenue comment is not favorable. Even the little trials, do we cry out to God for his mercy? Notice what he says, guys, and it's a great thing to underline. He says, for my soul trusts in you. Now, why is that important? Here's why. Listen. Because this is where our life needs to be hidden in him. This is where our life needs to be hidden in him. This is the only way we can trust the Lord when our lives are hidden in Christ. 
This is what he's saying. Lord, I know, have mercy, have mercy. May my, you know what? I feel like I'm, I'm being threatened. I feel like I'm in the storm. I feel like this is going to go down. I feel like, Lord, I really feel just, just depressed and I feel, and I feel tired and I feel hurt and I, and I'm just really messed up. But I trust you. Why can you trust God in that moment? Because your life is hidden in him. This is what he's talking about. The only way that we can even voice this is, is knowing that our lives are hidden in Christ. Here's what I want to remind you. May we never presume upon the grace of God, but earnestly cry out for mercy. We know who God is. We know what he's done for us on the cross. We know and we rejoice in that. But I never want to preach, oh, God's grace, God's grace, God's got me, God's got, I just cry, God, God, help me, help me. Notice what he says, in the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed me by. Notice what David, he's painting this amazing picture. Why? Here's what I want you to see. In the shadow of your wings, David says, I will make my refuge in the shadow I want you to picture a bird, okay? If a giant bird were to to be under his wings, one of the things you need to realize is if you come under the shadow of those wings, you're going to be close to the heart. And and I love the fact that he goes, listen, not only am I going to have protection, but I'm going to be so close to your heart, God, that I can hear boom, 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 boom. And what he's saying, he's saying is, think about this. Under your wings, O Lord, I'm going to find what? I'm going to find refuge. Now, I love the fact because, remember, Jesus said the same thing. Do you remember in Matthew 24, Jesus goes, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how many times that I wanted to gather you like a hen gathers his chick under my wings. And he goes, but you wouldn't let me. You guys didn't want me. You rejected me. This is what Jesus said. David's like, oh, I just want to be in this. First of all, I want to be under the protection of your wings. But more importantly, for me, I want to hear the heartbeat of God. If I'm under the protection and the refuge of God's almighty wings, then, oh, that's really more important to me is to hear God's heartbeat. Boom, 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 boom. This is what David says. David says, man, I'm, I'm really struggling, but listen, in the shadow of your wings, he says, until these calamities have passed by. You know what I love about David? He was very optimistic. He said, this is only going to last for a season. He says, I'm going to be right here under your wings until all of this bad stuff goes away. All of this bad stuff goes away. And isn't that the reality, though? Isn't that the reality we live in? You go, what do you mean? There are things in our lives that we probably thought at a young age, oh, is this ever going to go away? And it did. It did. There are times when time passes and, and we get healed and things happen. And we're like, okay, this is okay. It's, I, I'm going to say, there were hurts in your life. There were major hurts that you thought, there's no way I'm going to get through this. But through time, you realize that you're in a different place even today with God. You go, okay. So David says, listen, I just want to be protected right now. I just need some protection until these calamities have passed by. Until. And he says, and I will cry out to God most high, the God who performs all things. 
Think about this, guys. He's saying, man, listen, this is what I want to do. I'm just going to cry out to the Lord. And David paints this just wonderful refuge. And he says, who performs. In other words, he says, I'm going to cry out to God most high, the God who will fulfill his purpose for me. Now, here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to know. Very important, guys. When you think about this, and he's in verse 3, he says, he shall send from heaven and save me. He reproaches the one who would swallow me up, Selah. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. The one thing that jumps off of the pages that I want in my life is notice he has the confidence in God. Do you see that? His confidence is in God. It's amazing confidence. Why? Because here he's saying, he's saying, man, look, I have confidence in the Lord. I'm going to cry out to you. You have a purpose for my life. You have a purpose, you have a plan, but here's what I want to show you something very interesting. Um, notice where the word Selah comes. Selah is that one place that's, that's found, guys. It's found and it means to just meditate, to think on it. Now this is a mictum, so this is, this is put to music, but he wants us to think about this, to really meditate on that. But it's a very strange place that David puts this. Because it's it's not at the end of verse 3, like where it's like, okay, here's my whole thought. Think about it. He's going, oh, oh, watch this. Watch this. He says there in verse 3, he shall send from heaven and what? Save me. He shall save me. He reproaches the one who would swallow me up. Think about this. Where's his confidence? He goes, God's the one that's going to save me. He's the one that's going to take care of it. Now, I want you to meditate on that. Meditate on that. My biggest struggle, my biggest struggle is that when I fall into a trial, I, tra- I tend to try to work my way out of it. I'll tend to try to, you know, make some connections or, hey, let me do this, let me do that, or whatever it might be. And David goes, no, I'm going to trust I'm going to trust God. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question, church. Tell me, tell me if this is you or not. Sometimes when we put our trust in God to work out a problem and we feel like God fails, if you will, didn't work it out how we thought he should work it out, we lose confidence in him. Think about it. Think about, oh, I'm, God, all you had to do is fix this. Oh, you, I can't believe this. And, and, and Lord, if you would just, ah. Oh. So the next time we come to God with in a trial, we don't have the confidence that David has. Now, now listen. David has no idea what's about to happen. David doesn't know, yeah, I've read the rest of the book. This is going to be good. He's, he's not that at all. He just says, he shall send from heaven. And save me. God, you're going to do a work. He reproaches the one who shall swallow. Listen to the way the message sends it. He sends orders from heaven to save me. He humiliates those who kick me around. God delivers generous love and makes good on his word. So he's going, look, this is, listen, he's going to send forth his mercy and truth. This is, this is what he's going to do. And I thought, wow, what amazing confidence. I wrote in my Bible, I was like, he has the confidence. How does he have, how do I get that confidence? It's, 
we got to have the right perspective, church. we got to have the right perspective on who God is. He doesn't change. And his ways for us are, are ultimately the best. We have to walk in that confidence. But the enemy will come in and go, well, look, if God really loved you, he would have done this, this, and this, or this would have changed, or he should have done that. You don't understand. And so we go, yeah, you know what? That's true. So I'm still going to love you, God, but, but I'm going to love you from afar. I'm going to love you. I'm not going to get real close to you because I don't want to get hurt. And that's what we do with God. And David's going, no, 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 you don't understand. I've just acted a fool. I've acted like a madman. I know Saul's trying to kill me, but God's going to save me. God's going to save me. God's going to save me. And now as we move from verses 4 to 6, David's going to give us a description. Look at his description. He says, my soul is among lions. So now he's saying, he says, I lie among the sons of men who are set on fire whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue is a sharp sword. Did you guys see that? Think about what he just said. He's going, let me tell you who, who's after me. He says, man, they're like, they're like lions. They're like lions. Okay? You know, there's a description in the Word of God where, where it's described that Satan roars like a lion, seeking who may devour so David is going, you know who my enemy is? You know who's after me? They're like lions. And, and they're the sons of men who set on fire, whose teeth, they want to just shred me, and their tongue, I mean, they're talking, I mean, this is, and basically they're encircling him, he feels like, and waiting for a chance to destroy him. And I think, you know what? It's so important we study the Psalms because we can grasp, we can, we can walk. David's like, man. But what we need to glean, guys, what we need to glean right here from tonight's text is David says, okay, yeah, here they are. He, he doesn't, he, he doesn't focus on the lions or the enemies because that's easy to do. David gives one verse, but then goes back to praising God. Now, if that was me, Let's be honest. I think I would spend more time explaining to you who is after me and how bad it's going to be. Okay. Hey, Josh, listen, the lions, are they're going to tear me up. And listen, if I die, you know what happened? And I just, I don't know, understand. Do you know, do you understand? Have you ever gone through this? I don't get it. But he doesn't do that. Because we can get wrapped up in who the enemy is and forget about who God is. Come on, someone. We can get so wrapped up in what the attacks that are happening to us that we miss what God is doing in us and through us. It's so simple. It's so simple. David doesn't do that. He starts in verse 5. He goes, okay, so that's, the, yeah, yeah, I know they're encircling me. I know they're going to wait for a chance to destroy me. But he says, but be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have dug a pit before me into the midst of it. They themselves have fallen into Selah. Do you see what he just said? He says, man, listen, I got to tell you, be exalted. God, do a work. Do a work above the heavens. Now, think about this. David has tunnel vision because he's in a cave. 
Okay? He can't see the heavens. He can't see the stars. He can't see the vastness of all of God's creation. He's in a cave. But he goes, no, 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 no. Listen, just what I see here and now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put that aside. God, be exalted. From where, guys? From above the heavens. From above the heavens. Let your glory be where? Notice what he says, above the earth. Above the earth. It's, you're higher than what they are. This is who they are. This is what's going down. They're going to circle me. They want to kill me. God, you're greater. You're bigger. You're bigger. David is crying out and he says, man, the enemies have set a trap for me. I'm weary from my distress. They have dug a deep pit in my path. The problem is, he goes, no, they're going to fall into it. They're going to fall in. Contemplate that. They're going to fall into that. So the question for us, guys, as we, as we study this is like, wow, do we, do, do, would we write something like that in the midst of a storm? You see, sometimes Christianity, if we're really honest, Christianity has, has, has sold us the fact that we're not going to go through storms and we're not going to have any of this stuff and that we should be, uh, prosperous and we should be, this is be great and, and all of this stuff. And so when bad things happen to us, when, when hard things happen, we don't know how to respond. But if we truly exegete the scriptures, we go, listen, there is going to be some things that are going to be hard in my life, but I need to keep my focus on the living God. I need to walk Walk in him, and then I can walk through this, and God can be glorified. And, and, and that's exactly what it is, guys. We, we have to exegetically pull the scriptures because he says, be exalted, O God. Listen, I know we're going through a rough time. Be exalted, O God. Perspective is everything. How you see things, how you how you, how they go through, how they, how they filter through the word of God. That's going to make all the difference in your walk. Whether the, the storm comes and all up in a little ball and go, I don't know what to do. Or we're going to stand up and go, listen, I know I'm in the midst of the storm, but God is bigger than the storm. One of the greatest things that bring comfort, and you guys know this, okay? When Jesus comes walking on the water, it was a storm. You realize that. This waves are high and everything else. Jesus comes walking on the water, but what we don't realize is that the storm was always under his feet. Always. What we picture is we we focus on Peter going down. Oh, Peter almost drowned. Yeah, but he got out of the boat. But Jesus was always above the storm. That's where we have to keep our perspective. Be exalted, O oh God. Let your glory. Yeah, my enemies, they're, they're going to prepare to do this, but you know what? They're going to, they're going to fall. They're going to fall. Let's be honest. Can we be honest in church? The hardest thing to do when you're weathering a storm is to sincerely praise God in the midst of the storm. To sincerely. Right? We have, we have the, how's it, you're in the midst. Now, now listen, honestly, listen. I don't think I ever said, praise God for the, for the storm that Nathan and I went through. That would be insincere. That would, because the hardest thing is to go, God. But you know what? Here's what we did. We often prayed. 
when when they were about to put the the medicine, the chemo in vein, we prayed specific prayers that God that that your word says that poison won't hurt, and and we pray that it would go in and do what it's supposed to do. But I know the hardest thing, guys, in in weathering the storm is to sincerely praise him. That's the hardest thing in the midst of a storm. We're being honest in church, right? You know what we do? We praise God in the storm, but you know what I found? It's a little more to butter him up and be, God, we praise you, God. This is amazing. Or we hope that somehow our praise will push this storm a little bit along a little bit faster. How you doing, brother? Praise God. I'm doing great. Praise God is good. And, and, and want to sort of butter up our father so that we could not go through this anymore. But that's honesty. But the word teaches us tonight, guys, that we need to praise him, whether we're on the mountaintop or we're in the valley. This is what David is preaching to us. Now, Unfortunately, so that we can spend time in the Lord, I'm not going to be able to finish, and uh, we'll we'll just pick it up next week as we go through. But um, I know we have some. We have like 15 minutes, and so we're going to pray. We're going to think about the storms. We're going to think about all that's that's going down, and uh, we'll come back to his his. I mean, when you really think about verse seven, all the way through eight, it's it's just he changes. He's like, Lord, I just thank you. He says, My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise. Awake my glory. Awake the lute and the harp, and I will awaken to the dawn. What David is saying is, listen, I'm going to praise you right now. The lute and the harp, that's, it's, it's a stringed instrument. It's a 12-stringed instrument. Mel would love this. Um, so this is, this is what he's saying. So that's what we need to do tonight. As we take some time and we have some songs and we have some quietness and we get ready to partake in communion, that's what we really need to do. We need to meditate on the fact that, okay, Lord, I, I, I may be in the midst of a storm right now. I may be in the midst of a storm. Um, I may have come out of a storm. I may be, there may be sickness. There might be whatever it might be. But you know what, Lord? I'm going to sincerely praise you. I'm going to sincerely praise you, and I'm going to take some time to come to the communion table as a family and just gather and and spend some time. Just spend some time. So, Father, we thank you tonight. Lord, I, I didn't time it real well, Lord, to what you have for us, God, uh, but I know that you want us to spend some time in you. So our hearts cry out to you, God, be merciful, be merciful to me. Our soul trusts in you. If you're watching online, um, you can just spend some time in prayer. I wish you were here uh, to partake in communion with us, but we're going to just spend some time. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come and minister to us. As we, as we just seek to, um, just to hear from you.
Father, I love, I love the heart of David. And I would cry out for mercy. Is your heart steadfast tonight? Is it secure? Is it solid in God? May this be the anthem. I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing to you among the nations. For your mercy reaches into the heavens and your truth into the clouds. Lord, that's our, that's our anthem tonight. We're going to praise you. We're going to sing to you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.